The retail investment landscape is changing, particularly since the dawn of COVID. Big market shift in 2020 has brought a lot of new investors to the marketplace, as well as the emergence of new assets in cryptocurrencies and investor gamification. Today, we're sitting down and talking to two experts, and we talk the title of our podcast, Innovation and Investor Protection in Wealth Management. Hi, everyone. My name is Paul McCrory, and I'm going to be your host today. For those of you who don't know, I'm a volunteer for the Canadian RegTech Association, as well as a director at a major financial institution focusing in capital markets and wealth management technology. Canadian RegTech Association is a nonprofit organization focused on solving regulatory challenges through collaborative efforts between key RegTech stakeholders, including regulated entities, technology vendors, and regulatory bodies. I'm joined by two subject matter experts on the topic today, Parm Nasri and Noel Sequira. Parm is the Vice President of Regulatory Strategy and Partnerships at InvestorCom and has over a decade of wealth management and regulatory experience. He's the Chair of Canadian Advocacy Council, CFA Societies Canada, and previously held roles as the, at the Ombudsman for Banking Services and Investments at the Brattle Group. Parm holds a CFA Charter and an MBA from Schulich School of Business. With us again, Noel Sequira, the manager at IROC. He is manager of the membership intake business conduct compliance. In his role, Noel ensures that IROC dealers have implemented effective oversight programs to comply with their regulatory requirements. Noel previously held oversight roles at the OSC and a major Canadian bank. Noel Parm, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, this is going to be a very interesting conversation. I wanted to start to kind of a bit of background with 2020, there's been a real uh, influx of retail investors anecdotally, as we've understood. And um, the whole world seems to be trading meme stocks and and uh, kind of disassociating the idea of investment to trading. Um, I wanted to know from a regulatory perspective, Noel, what trends do you see will impact this um, kind of growing client base? Uh, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, through, through your words, I would say the, the key theme that, that I see it is a continued disruption through 2022 of traditional channels that investors are using to access both advice and markets, be that through new pricing models, new entrants, asset classes, trading platforms, strategic partnerships, reliances on social media and financial influencers. That's a big one. Uh, so, so I think the, the conventional way that investors think about things and access to marketplace has changed and you're gonna continue uh, seeing that through 2022. Um, our role as regulators when these things come into our purview is to always ensure investor protection and marketplace integrity. We'd like those protected at all times and hold those as a core value. Uh, at the same time, you know, some of these changes that are coming in, although they are recognized as being disruptive, we have to ensure that such market innovation uh, continues to be fostered because some of these changes are ultimately net benefits to investors in terms of more choice, lower fees, et cetera. Uh, in broad strokes, one of the themes of the current year, uh, I know we're gonna speak about it, is IROC's plain language rules and the client focus reforms. Those are now uh, fully in effect. And um, as you are aware, through partnership, uh, an excellent partnership with the CSA, IROC will also be the primary regulator for dealers and marketplaces offering cryptocurrency. So a very full uh, 2022 ahead. 
and uh, fitting into the, the themes we've spoken about already. Fascinating. So Parm, I wanted to know from your side, the technology. So, you know, this, this new disruptive kind of client base or new disruptive lens, um, how is technology um, responding to the, I would imagine, kind of like more of an innovation approach? Uh, thanks for having me. And, and uh, uh, I really appreciate Noel's comments about sort of what the what the regulators are looking forward to, you know, in the years to come. There's, and I particularly agree with this term um, disruption. And whether you use, I'm going to use air quotes, innovation, disruption, modernization. There's often there's often uh, uh, the underpinning piece to all of this has often been technology transformation. Um, mm -hmm. And you, whether you look at it through a regulatory compliance lens or just the wealth management industry transforming and maturing into adopting technology, we're gonna see constant change in the, in the years to come. Um, just to touch on some of the points that, for example, Noel mentioned around the, you know, the, the ESG initiatives, client focus reforms, virtual currencies, there's a lot, <laughs> I really mean it, there's, there's this endless uh, uh, sort of darts of innovation that are being speared uh, through the industry. And, a lot of adoption, starting from the end investor. So whether you're talking about gamifications of stocks, uh, everybody probably noticed what happened uh, to, to get, you know, uh, some of those gamification stocks last year, to what's going to be the end outcome of the client focus reforms, right? So the, the regulators have said, hey, uh, you now have to prove that you're acting in your client's best interest, which is a step beyond the traditional suitability requirements. So how can firms adopt technology? How can firms adopt data to not only uh, um, follow the regulations and truly act in their client's best interest, but also be able to prove it after the fact? So I think there's gonna be this acceleration of adoption of what we're seeing in the marketplace uh, um, or, or what uh, for, people are actually characterizing as disruption or innovation. Um, and there's gonna be a lot of it in the years to come. Interesting. So how is it from an implementation perspective? Like you're saying you agree with these trends and you know, there's these two kind of points where the regulator uh, and the technology teams kind of have this dance where you know, things are being disrupted and you both respond. Um, how in this new lens, how are you looking at implementing um, a response mm -hmm. to the new trends? Yeah, so let me let me jump in. I, I'd say the wealth management industry uh, at its entirety is likely seeing this rapid pace of evolution or, or innovation. And that's innovation is resulting in a further segmentation of the marketplace, which is very, very positive. Um, while the market has continued to be further seg segmented, I'd characterize the underlying force behind this evolution to be this technology-driven technology hyper-personalization. So let me just unpack that a little bit because that's a, that's a mouthful. Um, if you look at, for example, the discount channel or the online platforms, all the way down to automated platforms like robo-investing, they're increasing their value proposition by uh, really deploying technology tools that not only are uh, um, sort of uh, compliant from a regulatory perspective, but further engaging clients more proactively, being interactive around financial planning goals, which 
if you kind of go back to uh, robo-advisory 1.0, that was not part of the formula. Now the value proposition of some of those specific channels that target specific segments of the marketplace are now much, much more value intensive and uh, supportive of the end investor. You know, the discount brokerage platform today uh, is fundamentally different than the discount brokerage going back to, you know, the 2000 era where when it was finally hitting the marketplace and accessible. And really within that sort of more tech centric uh, uh, segment of the marketplace, what we're seeing is this huge influx of adoption. And that's truly the power of technology and scalability of, of specific tools. Now you take that sort of thesis of hyper-personalization that I mentioned off the top, and you bring it down to the advice channel. And this is where it gets super interesting because the same unprecedented level of customization at the, at the sort of the discount brokerage and the robo-advisory platform is actually creating similar successes in, in that advice channel. Some examples are hyper-personalization of risk profiles and portfolio construction. This is partly why we keep hearing these terms around ESG investing, because now you can actually customize your portfolio in the exact way that matches your values. The other term, for example, that's, a, that's going to be a trend in the coming years is direct investing. You know, not they, you know, this is a brand new initiative that's taking the, the market by storm. And folks in the, you know, in the advice channel can actually take advantage of it and truly create value for their investors. Similarly, on the client reporting side, you know, the old account statement that was being sent to clients on a monthly, quarterly basis, that's pretty much uh, uh, going to go away because now investors can log on to a platform, slice and dice their portfolios online, uh, whether they're in a discount broker channel, advice channel, or a robo-advisory platform. So lots of exciting things to come. It's, it's interesting, I, and I want to get Noel in here because I'm thinking that the market is responding and the technology is responding to the to the new get, uh, needs provided by this client base and i want to understand no how are the where are the regulators in this how are, we, is, are they playing catch up what kind of table stakes need to be reconsidered and um yeah how are you looking at it through the regulatory lens thank you uh we have a very vibrant and uh, informative uh, set of IROC dealers, both current and in terms of applicants as well. And we are always meeting with them to hear uh, about their proposals for their changing business models. One of IROC's core goals is to help dealers with compliance. It's when our, within our organizational mandate. And in these scenarios, we can really provide them with feedback they can go back to their teams and shape accordingly and come up ultimately with, with things that, you know, meet their business requirements. Meanwhile, staying compliant of both the regulatory requirements in letter and the principle as well. But uh, in terms of what uh, Parham went to, uh, through in terms of the, the technology that's changing out there and the level of customization, you know, regardless, uh, no doubt we've seen that trend as well. To me, all of these speak to investor choice and greater investor choice. As we know, each investor is different and their attitudes or what they want are, are unique and different as well. And the fact that our dealer community, the technology providers and the registrants can offer that very granular uh, degree of customization 
is a net positive. Some investors prefer walking into a brick and mortar facility, shaking the hand of a person and listening to them at their, uh, at their desk about where they see the market going or particular securities. Some would rather have a pure digital experience. They don't even want to speak to anyone on the phone. Uh, nevertheless, walk into a, a facility. So the fact that there are customized solutions out there for each of the gradients of investor choice is, is, a, is, is, a, is a huge net positive. Um, what's also changed as well is the paradigm of trust through that. Uh, and again, in those two examples that I gave, they're probably at other uh, ends of the spectrum, opposite ends of the spectrum rather. But you know, a certain class of investors has come forward that they don't necessarily want to access the marketplace through conventional challenge uh, channels. Uh, they place a huge amount of trust in the actual technology, the applications, which organizations are standing behind them. And I think that's something to be cognizant of as well. Um, again, as regulators, our goal is to ensure that investors are protected. So in our oversight framework, we are meeting with these applicants. We are looking at their technology solutions. Do they understand how uh, certain things are crafted and presented and marketed? What are the levels of protection in place uh, at these dealers? When something goes wrong, what, step, what steps are dealers going to take to, again, put the investor first, which is the, you know, it strikes at the heart of rules such as the client-focused reforms. But really back to my comments earlier about fostering innovation, we know that the landscape is changing and the regulators are, are doing their best to stay in the traffic of it and, and help the dealers ultimately to ensure better investor protection. Yeah, I mean, that's the Google role, the regulator, right? I think it's, it's, it's interesting to hear that you're still on side with the tech to support innovation, support the new businesses, support the dealer clients. Um, I want to, so kind of as we understand that as things change too, um, what, what's next from the innovation field? How do you bring the regulators along? And I'd love at the end if uh, you could both kind of talk about new products. I know it's, we do a few podcasts on this, but new products such as ESG we've touched on, but like crypto and how do you, your thoughts on uh, supporting yeah. innovation while regulating? Thanks, Paul. This is this is it, right? This is exactly that very intersection between regulators, industry, and technology. Sort of, uh, and possibly the role of the CRTA in highlighting and bringing the, all of these parties together and saying, "Okay, we are better together." And, and and I know that sounds kind of cliche, but effectively, if you were to draw a Venn diagram, we all need to be at the center of that and work collaboratively. So let me give you a few examples just to kind of as my old prof used to say, sprinkle it with numbers. Um, the client-focused reforms that, that, that Noel has touched on, um, there are new elements of that that still need to be figured out through the industry. I think you've probably seen headlines around, uh, you know, firms possibly waiting and seeing before they adopt new technology, but let me give you a few examples. Um, if you look at, for example, the new rules around uh, know your product and the dealer's obligations, there's a specific requirement that says, hey, you now have to, you're now firm, the, the, the gatekeeper of the products you make available uh, uh, within your firm. Completely fair expectation. This was previously guidance, it's now regulation. And, and Noel, you can correct me on the specifics of the regs. But 
effectively now firms need to really have this catchers made open and, and, and really digest what's happening with the securities that are in that or in, in within their firm, right? Now, let me sprinkle it with numbers. There are over 50,000 mutual funds, individual QCIPs on the Canadian platform, roughly 5,000 ETF QCIPs, probably a little bit less, but you know, 5,000. And then there are equities and fixed income products, structured products, you know, you name it, the, the, the portfolio or inventory of securities on a particular dealer shelf is a significant burden. Now, you ask yourself, all right, a firm wants to be compliant with this particular regulation. How would they physically be able to keep track of all of those changes in a manual way? Okay, this is where that technology lever comes in because without embracing technology, you would have to hire uh, uh, <laughs> a, a truckload of new grads to try to figure out, all right, the PE ratio of this stock went from 20 to 10. Is that significant? Or the MER of this particular uh, uh, fund that a lot of my investors are holding uh, just doubled, right? So this is where technology can really play an augmentation role of what, what the regulations are about, how they are interpreted, how they're put into practice. And, and honestly, this is exactly the purpose of, uh, in my opinion, the CRTA bringing such forums together. That's fantastic. That's exciting. So, and, and uh, Noel, what about the regulatory outlook? You know, is it playing catch up always, or is there, are you kind of also looking from an innovative perspective, especially again, gamification, crypto, you know, the new world? I wanted to just uh, have a small riff off Parham's comments in that we recognize the challenge for dealers out there that are, are faced with such huge monolithic product shelves that it can be very challenging to, to strive to comply with the regulatory requirements. Uh, 31103, the companion policy provides some guidance, in fact, latitude in terms of saying the, uh, the individual registrant does not have to know every single product out there that's available on the dealer's shelf. It can be a smaller amount, but I do get the larger point that to the extent that, you know, the, the conventional products would not cut it for certain clients or the client may themselves approach uh, the dealer and the registrant with a product that's unknown to that registrant, then you know the, uh, an additional uh, level of research is required. And yes, technology or having that research done by a technological solution or vendor done for you would be a huge asset to that to that registrant. So so I definitely agree. I mean, you know, the, the whole strive of technology comes into play as well. I, I think we can look at it uh, as a theme with respect to uh, virtual virtual currencies. So as everyone is aware through our partnership with the CSA, IROC will be the primary regulator for dealers and marketplaces offering cryptocurrency, some, something hugely grounded in technology. We've been reviewing, uh, you know, since the mandate's been announced, we've been reviewing both new applicants and existing dealers with new crypto-based plans uh, to ask them the necessary questions about what products and strategies they plan to offer, their targeted investor demographic, marketing plans, oversight framework, and of course, the use of technologies. Uh, you know, beyond these dealers uh, at, our, at our doorstep, 
there's been a tremendous amount of internal learning going on as well. Uh, there are new novel and multi-dimensional considerations regarding these products and business models. And, you know, as a regulator, we've been, it's, it's sort of been a two-pronged approach. Uh, while we have uh, been trying to up our game in terms of amassing the internal knowledge, we've also reached out to the industry as well and engage the necessary SMEs, uh, you know, so that they can provide advice to us and lessons learned from the past. Again, so we can approach regulation of this, you know, new frontier, uh, which does strike the balance between protecting investors and not, uh, you know, and fostering the innovation that these new products investment strategies bring. I think that's a perfect place to kind of Remind, I know Parm, you said it, but that's the idea that as distinct from a reactive response from regulators or technology for clients, it's, the idea is bringing everyone together at the table and work collaboratively. And that's what the CRTA uh, has been doing and is, is mandated to do. And one thing I also wanted to mention, uh, Paul, you raised the topic of gamification, which is a very sort of real uh, trend uh, currently right now. Uh, you know, I, I think some of this is born from the new class of investors that are coming into the investment community. Uh, but, but I do think, again, uh, similar to the theme that this class of investors requires protection too when things like gamification, those strategies are employed. Uh, you know, the, the crude consumer analogy is, uh, you know, on, on PlayStation or Xbox, if you don't get a certain achievement, that's one thing. Maybe it's only harmful to one's ego. If for the sake of chasing a trading app's achievement or reward, you've lost a whole lot of money, that will impact, you know, one, an investor in so many more deeper and harmful ways. So, you know, as regulators, we have to ensure that investors participating in these app offerings are protected through disclosure or very rigorous client and account appropriate assessments. In some cases, the risk of client harm uh, and or conflict uh, to the dealer are so egregious that some scenarios may have to be avoided altogether. Again, this is another one that strikes at the heart of CFR, but certainly this is a, a key trend that the regulators are keeping their eye on in this investment in, uh, uh, community to ensure that investors receive adequate protection. You know, uh, Noel, this is, I find this topic so fascinating, both at, the, at a very practical level as well, as well as sort of if you follow regulatory theory. Um, because this is the first time, I, I, I think in history, where regulators are sort of going behind the application and saying, okay, tell me how you engage with your client, which is kind of, if you, if you kind of think about the notion of principle-based regulation, and now regulators kind of going a layer deeper, and, and for good reason, right, they, which is investor protection. Um, I, I think this is an unprecedented time in our, in, our, in our sort of evolution and that intersection of regulation technology and innovation for the industry. So um, I know there's a lot more work that uh, respectfully the regulators are doing on this front for uh, uh, very good reason. Uh, and we're going to see a lot of exciting activity in the space in the future. That's all the time we have today. It's been a very interesting discussion. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you very much both. Um, for those of you listeners, you know, we have a number of podcasts. You can visit our website for more and uh, we look forward to the next one. So again, thanks guys. And I appreciate your time. Mm -hmm.